What will happen when the sun runs out of juice? Did Tamagotchi haunt us after they died? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This This Paranormal Paranormal Live! Whoa! Hey! Welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast. Every Tuesday, we get to the bottom of a different paranormal tale, claim, or case and decide whether it's truly paranormal or not. As always, you're joined by myself, Mr. Kit Grimmel Bennett, this guy, Mr. Roy Pars. How are you doing today, Roy? I thought you'd never get to me. I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited. I'm ready to investigate the paranormal. I got my night vis gogs, I've got my high vis vest. I've got my... So do you want to be seen or not? You're, you're I, I, skulking around in the dark, but in high vis. When I want to be seen, I'll be seen. Trust me. That might explain the flare strapped <laughs> to your side. Because it seems like you're going to go out in a bang. And on every episode of This Paranormal Life, we like to dive straight into the investigation. So uh, right off, thank you so much to Joshua Pearson for sending in this investigation. Today's case takes us into the Mackenzie Mountains of Canada deep in the Northwest Territories, around 300 miles from the nearest town of Yellowknife. That's a cool name for a town. Have you ever been to Canada? Yeah, I have actually. I, I, I lived there for six months on a, when I did an exchange That's program. right. I went to uh, uh, Ryerson University in Toronto, a very sheltered uh, a Canadian experience. Not quite like I imagine the people of Yellowknife. You didn't go to Yellowknife University? <laughs> study how to catch polar bears Yellowknife university is one of those forest traps where the leaves below you fall down into spikes but instead of spikes you fall down into higher education right. Yellowknife university you can be stuck there for 20 30 years before you are wise enough to graduate only five out of every 30 undergraduates actually survives their first year yeah it's a very unforgiving program at Yellowknife. That's right, this is a long way from Toronto, as far as I gather at least. We are deep in the kind of very northern territories. This kind of part of Canada really terrifies me. This is a part of the world almost completely unexplored by foot. I don't want to get too dramatic too early on in this case, but we're basically talking about a kind of Jurassic Park lost world. It's almost inaccessible by foot. Instead, you have to fly or sail in just to get there. Wow. And once you arrive, it's canyons, caves, huge mountain peaks, valleys, forests, and even a waterfall twice the height of Niagara Falls. Wow. This is truly the land that time forgot. I'm presuming it's quite cold if this is further up north. Cold is all shit. Okay. I looked at the, the weather patterns. You know, it either goes one of two ways. It's like, you know, one of those places that's cold all the time. Mm -hmm. This is one of those hell zones where it's like 30 in summer and like minus 60 in winter. Wow. All right. I mean, that might have been a record temperature, but it definitely it's around like minus 30, minus 40. So it does get nice. It gets nice for a bit, except not, you know, I wouldn't say nice on account of what's about to happen. Oh, God. Okay. But at the same time, the few humans that have lived here throughout the last 10,000 years have told many legends about this place. Legends that leave their trace to this day on the place names like Dead Man Valley, Headless Creek, 
Funeral range. These are the places that surround Yellowknife? Headless range. The last one was Headless Range. No, it was Headless Creek, leading oh, to okay. Funeral Range, which U-turns onto Headless Range. Right next to Payne City, population death. Which is all <laughs> situated in, to be clear, Dead Man Valley. Okay, that's to be expected, I suppose. Does anyone live here? In Dead they, Man Valley? I guess they have to, or else Funeral Creek isn't getting a lot of revenue. To be fair, I don't think... Uh, this is kind of like a wildlife reserve area. This is like a massive kind of Canadian it's the Wild West park. Reserve area. Uh, the reason I mentioned Yellowknife is that's the nearest major populated place. I say major. It's like 20,000 people uh, living in a, in a small town there. But 40,000 knives. Two knives to every person. They don't use dollars, okay? Not even Canadian dollars. They just trade knives. And guess what? The exchange rate's on the floor because everyone's got too many <laughs> knives. What everyone could do with is actually some food and water. Yeah. But if you want a house, you need a knife loan. You need the bank to loan you a bag of knives that I guess over 30, 40 years, you will gradually uh, proceed to pay them back in knives. Yeah. It's a complicated system. The 2008 depression. It was sad to see people carrying around wheelbarrows full of machetes. <laughs> but our story begins in more recent times. The gold rush era. In the early 1900s, people all over North America had heard about gold in the Northwestern Territories. A pristine, untouched, unexplored land where lucky men could make their fortunes. I could definitely picture it that if you're coming over from, say, Britain or something like that, you want to get involved in gold prospecting. You know, if you arrive too late to the game, all those famous spots all over America, they're just like, it's goddamn, it's like Disneyland on a Saturday. It's just thousands and thousands of gold prospectors on top of each <laughs> other wrestling over like gold nuggets the size of sand grains. Uh, so everyone's looking for like that next spot. Yeah, and you know, no one's going to go to Death Valley, Funeral Creek, Headless Mountain. Sorry, let's not get it confused. Death Valley is in California. <laughs> oh, right. Dead Man Valley <laughs> and Funeral Range, very Death, much Canada. Death Valley, the tropical paradise where people are borderline immortal. That's how good the healthcare system is. <laughs> it's hard to grow old and die when there's not enough air for you to grow old in. Two men, Willie and Frank McLeod, had been panning for gold, traveling all over British Columbia and Alaska. But when they set foot in the Northern Territories, the locals showed them giant chunks of gold, and they decided this was the opportunity they had been waiting for. So, Willie, uh, is that what you said your name was? So, where did you guys say you were heading again? Well, I'll tell you where I'm headed, partner. To the big f***ing league. That's where. Hey, could you be a little more specific, Willie? UberX, baby. Straight to the top. The f*** is an Uber? I'm going to Nahanni Valley. Nahanni Valley? You out of your goddamn mind? Up by Funeral Range into Dead Man Valley around the corner from Dead Man's Creek? A lot of men have tried to pillage that gold, but not me. Not Willie. This Willie's as hard as it gets. I don't see why you think you're going to be the one guy to do it when you only got one leg, Willie. Um, well, you're not going to think I'm such a dumbass when I've got one human leg. And one leg made of solid gold. You McLeod brothers, you're so f***ing dumb. You're going to die up in there like all the other assholes. We're going to have to name another creek after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see. You'll all see. 
So they packed all their worldly possessions and set out by boat to Nahani Valley to find gold. The months that followed would be a mystery to everyone. This was an era before technology and the two men had to live in the wilderness and off the land for everything. We're not talking about like a couple days camping. It's kind of blowing my mind to think of like setting out, sure, for this job opportunity, but just as a part of that, you have to survive in the unexplored wilderness. I love it. Just hunting animals. I, I, I want to go right now, man. The thought of like two weeks out in the wild switched off, just gathering food, eating f- beans right, well, and sausages. It's not two weeks though. And also you'll run out of beans and sausages pretty quick. So you've got to hunt for your next meal. I'll grab some berries then, some delicious forest berries. Do you know which ones are poisonous? The colorful ones, I'm pretty sure. And then you're just out there and you're like, you don't know what's gold. Anything could be gold. You're just flipping rocks, smashing rocks with your bare fist, eating beans and berries. I don't know. As a city boy, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I don't think that's how gold prospecting works. You don't like flip over a rock and smash it. I mean, usually aren't they like panning in rivers? That's true. Yeah. With the little, the little shaky things. The shaky thing. That also sounds kind of fun. I haven't panned for gold in the wilderness. Yeah. However, I have been to Legoland. (laughs) I haven't to Death Forest. There's a lot of dead Lego men. (laughs) Wait, wait, you've been to gold panning in Legoland? Yeah. (laughs) Just trying to get like yellow bricks. I don't remember (laughs) what the deal was, but they, for some reason, I don't know what the f*** it had to do with Legos, (laughs) but in Legoland, there was like a a rootin' tootin' western zone and you could, they gave you a little little gold panning sieve and you went and you panned in the river. And this thing was, they had to make it easy for the kids. This thing is flush with gold. (laughs) You were lied to. You didn't go to Legoland. You went to a work camp. There's no way. I think your parents you sent you time. To... There's no way this is Legoland. Your parents told you you were going to yeah, Legoland. Yeah, my parents weren't there that evening. <laughs> and uh, we did have to eat beans and sausages for uh, weeks. Uh, it wasn't very fun, actually. I heard Legoland was supposed to be fun. I'm just imagining like you down in the river panning for gold you like look up and you're like lego batman can i have a glass of water and he's like got the full suit on and everything you can barely <laughs> hear him and he's like so i have to assume that it was fool's gold because there was a lot of it um, yeah. but i felt good about about finding a little bit of gold fools or otherwise um and i got a little taste of what it might have been like to be a old-timey prospector i would love to know what the difference is between fool's gold and regular gold do you want, should I find out? Is it because there, presumably there has to be some difference beyond the look because they look identical. So it must be like consistency or well, yeah, I what think, you can do with. Oh right, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because who just decided like no, actually the gold you've this got one's is shit awesome. gold. Yeah, yeah. That, I've got the good gold. Oh, oh that no no you've got fool's gold. They look identical and can do everything the are same. Are you sure? Because it seems like this stuff is harder, longer lasting, no, cheaper. Looks the same. <laughs> All right, Daft Punk, your gold is shit. Mine is the real gold. You're a fool. Yours is like bendy. It's expensive as all hell. You're you're a fool for trying to peddle me that shit. That golden, not golden, yellow garbage. It's pretty shiny though, isn't it? Sure, it's pretty shiny because it's trying to fool people into thinking it's gold. It's not going to be black, is it? Actually, that'd be pretty cool. I'm going to start selling black gold as well. What? That's right. 
Black gold? You mean like this? That is black fool's gold! You fool! This is black gold! That's a rock. If there's no difference between fool's gold and regular gold, I'm just gonna start buying a lot of fool's gold. I'll make like a castle. Or a hat. You would, why? You would never make a <laughs> castle out of regular gold or a hat. Because it's, so it's heavy. Because it's so expensive. That's why. That's the everyone only thing we'll do, wants but... to do it. Of course. I'd love to eat gold for every meal, but it's too expensive. I guess there's lots of differences. I, I think that one of the ideas of like why gold is valuable is because it's like good for coating things. It's massively reflective. Um, it has like a low melting point. It's quite malleable. I don't think this has any of those uses, although it does look pretty cool in this Wikipedia image. Yeah, it does. You know what? F*** it. Fool's gold is now the official currency of the This Paranormal Life commune. No regular gold. We only trade in fool's gold and Although knives. I will say one egg is worth 10,000 fool's gold. <laughs> We're saying this word too much now. Fool's gold. <laughs> I know, I hadn't, I hadn't called anything a fool in decades at What this a point. shitty thing to do, to call it, not just like, no one who thought they'd not found- gold. Yeah, no one who thought they'd struck gold and was now rich for life needed to be told that it was fool's gold and you're a f***ing moron for thinking that it's gold. It looks a lot like gold. Imagine going down to the bar and being like, guys, I did it. I did it. Look, look what I got. And you got a whole a bag of shiny yellow gold looking material. And you're like, we can rejuvenate the whole town. We can create a community here. And they're like, you idiot. You've wasted your time. <laughs> you fool. That's not gold, you cretin. But sure, it is worth something. I'll buy some off you, obviously. It's so unnecessary. I know. It's not like there's lots of fake leather products. You don't call it fool's, fool's leather. leather. It implies, yeah, that the person who has it is an idiot. It's just fake. It has other uses. <laughs> you got fool's AirPods. Those aren't those aren't Apple AirPods. Like, no, they're just Google wireless <laughs> earphones. Yes, fool's <laughs> AirPods. Yeah, they had to survive off the land in the wilderness. People guessed that they were fighting wild animals, escaping quicksand and jumping huge chasms. But two years later, still, there was no sign of the McLeod brothers. There had been no glorious return with a gold leg wearing a gold crown and diamond grills. Were they even still alive? But the rumor began to spread among the other gold prospectors that they hadn't returned because they had hit it big. They had found a gigantic gold mine, something so big they never needed to return. And so they vanished. Talk of this borderline El Dorado golden city spread fast and people became obsessed with the Lost McLeod Mine. Dozens of other prospectors traveled deep into the valley on foot, trying to retrace their footsteps. I really love the... Uh naivety of all these prospectors <laughs> being like all right the two brothers left two years ago to go to murder town and uh well they haven't they haven't come back just like everyone that's gone to murder town so i guess they're dead one guy in the corner smoking a pipe or maybe just maybe they found so much gold they went to the moon and everyone's like he's right to murder town <laughs> which i'm assuming is just a ledge that leads down into jagged rocks. <laughs> jagged, <yeah. laughs> it's just a really steep hill with acid at the bottom. I know. And, and they're like, we can find it, guys. If we all go in the same direction, then we split up and try and find the lost McLeod mine. Timmy, you take funeral range. I'll take headless valley. 
Johnny over there will take Dead Man's Creek. And Hank, since you're the strongest, you're going to take Bunny Rabbit Hill. <laughs> Bunny Rabbit Hill, you're out of your f***ing mind. You think I got a death wish? But Rory, was it all blind hope? Because they had one clue, just one clue, to point them in the right direction. One of the McLeod brothers had a habit of carving messages into trees on their travels. Oh, cool. There was only one find on the trail that read... We have found a fine prospect. That's a lot of carving. Have you ever carved anything in a tree? It is a pain in the ass. Anything more than just initial heart initial? Yeah. Not worth it. Yeah. Why? why, What have you been carving in trees? Just like anything, really. Smiley faces, my name, like self-portraits and things like that. Yeah. It's It's tough. That's all I'll say. Well, you do it on a bonsai tree, so it's especially difficult. <laughs> You've just got a chainsaw. If I just go really lightly... Oh, it's gone. That's another one. That one was 500 years old. So that's a bit of a waste. <laughs> but still, with this clue, no one could find it. And many of the prospectors who tried were never seen again, dying alone in the wilderness. That is, until a couple of years later... A group of gold prospectors tracing the river through the valley to where the McLeods might have been made a terrible discovery. They found two bodies side by side on the ground beside the river. Unmistakably, the McLeod brothers. Oh boy. There was no McLeod gold mine. They didn't come back simply because they died. But the worst part was, they were both headless. Whoa. Both heads had been removed, nowhere to be seen. The prospectors' minds were racing. What could it have been? A bear? Local tribespeople? Or something else? The odds of a bear decapitating two men, I think, is pretty low. Do you think? I don't know a lot about bear attacks, but I'm pretty sure they kind of bat you about like a cat with a, with a ball of string until you just kind of die. Yeah. If the Revenant has taught me anything. Yes. There's they're not a, like a lot of... dropping out of the trees like a spec ops agent and taking the head off. <laughs> You know, they're pretty much just... Yeah, they're pretty, pretty grisly. Pretty meat and potato killers, you know, just there's a lot of thumping. Yeah, I think my instinct with bears is that they just start eating. I've heard that, that they just start eating. Oh, right, like you're already dead to them. That's yeah. how weak and shit They just you are. hold you down and start eating you. Oh, that is... Uh, so that wouldn't really line up either because if it was a hungry bear that killed someone why would it leave the body where 90% of the meat is great point just take the head so surely it had to be human activity the only problem was the valley had always been home to the Naha people which is I guess why it's called the Nahani Valley a native North American tribe but they had vanished from the valley just a few years previously there was no one living there at all as far as the prospectors knew Why had they vanished? Why would they leave? And even more disturbingly, the other tribes in the surrounding areas refused to live there. They actively avoided the valley, claiming that an unknown evil haunts it. (laughs) So if Headless Valley and all that wasn't bad enough, it is cursed. It's also evil. If you ask the people who've lived there for 10,000 years, they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I didn't think it was blessed. So I had a pretty good indication of how bad this place was going in. To be fair, they could have done a a good little switcheroo, you know, like the story of, oh, they call Iceland, Iceland, so that no one would go there. And they called the shitty one Greenland, so everyone would think it was green and lush. Is that really the reasoning behind? That's what people say. (laughs) Should we fact check this? Definitely, yeah. A lot of people tell me this story, that the Vikings 
you know, they said, oh, this one's Iceland. You don't want to go there. It's harsh and and foreboding. Um, We'll take Iceland. But you guys, you guys can have Greenland. Oh, I see. That's very sneaky. All right. Well, apparently it's not not true. And I can't be bothered reading any further. The day we start fact-checking on This Paranormal Life is the day I die. It's the day that you'll have to fact-check my pulse because (laughs) I'll have bled out live on air. So it could have been that the native people, you know, met the Europeans that came over and they were like, hey, natives, is there anywhere good here we should know about to set up camp? And they were like, oh, here? Uh, you mean Death Valley? <laughs> um, no, you guys should probably keep going up the road to Bunny Rabbit Hill. It's a lot more welcoming. Death Valley is like a tropical paradise. Like in the background, there's like palm trees blowing in the wind. There's like kids running around all playing, having a good Are you time. guys sure? It looks pretty nice down there. Oh, a lot of those kids are killers. What? Brutal kill. That's why Murder Town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, you keep but, on but what did you say? Bunny, bunny rabbit hill? I mean, bunny it, rabbit hill, the one. I can see lightning literally striking it as we speak. Fast as a rabbit. That's why it's named after it. Yeah. Beautiful little paradise there. As you can see. It's, the, it's a desert. It's desolate. It's not a desert. Don't call it a desert because you can see those two spiky rocks uh, in the distance there, which yeah. a lot of people say actually kind of look like a bunny rabbit's ears. So that's cute. So uh, hop on as you, as they say in uh, whatever the f- funny what we called it i love it. <laughs> he's forgotten he's point he's pointing a spear at them at this point i do love the idea of like looking down into death valley and it's just children running around like cutting open coconuts and yeah, eating them it's like the opening sequence to moana <laughs> everyone's having a great time the nearby dene people said that mysterious creatures lived in the forests of the valley and that even the fierce and violent people of the Naha were cursed by these creatures. It's said that the Naha were tall, fearsome warriors that wore masks and wielded weapons that no one had seen before. That is, until they disappeared, becoming just another mystery of the valley. But the mystery of the missing MacLeod brothers was only the first of many incidents in this valley. In 1917, a Swiss prospector called Martin Jorgensen had heard the stories of the valley and decided that he would find the fortune that no one else could. Maybe because he was Swiss and knew some alpinism, uh, he quickly adapted to the harsh Jurassic Park level landscape and so he built a cabin to live in and started a small mining operation. Wow, he's thinking long term here, He's, he's making a little settlement, that's smart. That is smart but it didn't make sense to any of the other prospectors when shortly after setting up camp in the valley, Martin's cabin was found in flames, burned to ashes. And when they searched the building to see if he had escaped in time, they sadly found Martin's skeleton, except with no (gasps) skull. What? His head had been removed. Okay, so two headless prospectors happens all the time, right? Just a coincidence. Well, fast forward to 1945 and a miner from Ontario who was just peacefully sleeping in his sleeping bag, camping in Dead Man Valley, when he was found with, uh uh-oh, you guessed it, no head. Oh my god. What the hell is going on here? Look, you said it. Sure, one prospector, two prospector, found decapitated. If I had a fool's gold dollar for every time I found a decapitated prospector. I had a fool's <laughs> dollar. Just a Pokemon card. But this is getting a little suspicious. It is. I've got too many fool's dollars because this is happening a few too many times. What we need to find out is what is causing this. 
is this we, we've heard it's cursed before but i curses usually you know mean that something unfortunate befalls the people who are residing within the area of the curse the curse isn't like a dude that walks up and decapitates someone it's very strange yeah. for a curse to affect a group of people in the exact same way yeah it's a weird one like I think, I mean, they did talk about it being cursed, but I think that could have been a translation thing. I mean, the native people did say something along the lines of a, an evil, an unknown evil haunts the, the valley. So right. it could be that it, they're describing a, a spirit or being or beast. Now is not the time to be ambiguous. You shouldn't be like, watch out for the curse of the valley and you're like okay well what's the curse and it's like well the curse is there's these monkeys that eat heads it's like well that's not a curse is well, it if you had given us the heads up we could have brought <laughs> knives for the monkeys <laughs> tell us about the monkeys don't tell us about the curse tell us about the monkeys that eat human Lead heads with that yeah because now we're out in the woods we've got a bunch of sage and a priest he doesn't know why he's here and i don't even know steve do you know he's dead his head's gone fantastic <laughs> you killed steve the priest Oh, great. My head's gone on. My, my head is on the floor. I can still talk, but it's on the floor. We've talked about it before in this paranormal life. You know, you should just make a sign. Make yep. a sign that gets the basic amount of information across. Murderous headhunting beast ahead. Mm -hmm. Something like that. A couple words. I guess there's also the chance that this is possibly a uh, Last Crusade style Indiana Jones trap where yes. uh, I believe... If you remember that movie, they have to go through the trials yes. to reach uh, the Holy Grail. And I think it's the first one, which is uh, like Neil in the face of... Oh, the humble man. The hum It's something about like the humble man will be the one that passes through. Okay. And you have to go down on one knee. Mm. Uh, and obviously, if you don't, the blades from the side come across and completely cut off your head. I think they cut off the head of like three guys beforehand. Which was pretty insane that no, that they were sending in Nazis and heads were rolling back out. And they were like, all right, send in another one and another head. And they didn't think that the head was getting cut off when they were coming in here. If that was, <laughs> if I was like the third person to go in, I am wiggling like a worm. Yeah. And not even through that first trial, through all the trials. Yeah, there's some sort of vertical, <laughs> deadly elevation issue in this space. Yeah. I'm going to stay down just to play safe. Even the third trial, the leap of faith, you know, where it's the, the hidden mm -hmm. path. I am worming my way across that. When I get to the final <laughs> chamber where it's the Knight of Templar guarding the grails, I am war I'm wiggling around on, in the dirt through that entrance. If he wants me to drink from a cup, he's going to have to hand it to me. Because I'm not leaving the ground. The second I stand up to get that son of a bitch, my head rolls all the way back out three trials and straight to the, the Nazis. Listen, all the booby traps they had were knife based. Yeah. That was all like, that was the worst thing they could do to you was throw a knife at you, at your head. Also, I think the wrong cups made you age like a thousand years in a second, yeah. which was pretty cool. That was paranormal. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Kit, this year has gone by so quickly. What's something that you're proud of in 2024 Ooh. so far? Go. Mm, okay. Uh, well, I managed to capture a deadly cryptid and lock it in my basement. Okay. And tell me, did mm. you take time to celebrate that win? Ah, oh, yeah, not really. Uh, I'm scared if I let my guard down, it'll escape. In life, it's important that we slow down, acknowledge our progress, and set goals that inspire us. I can't even sleep at night. I'm so scared this thing is going to break out. When it comes to finding time for ourselves and our goals, BetterHelp can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. You can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. It's time to take a moment and celebrate your wins. What if the win you're celebrating is so big, no basement can hold it? Okay, you might need to move house. Huh? But for everyone else, there is BetterHelp. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. But like we said in the beginning, part of what makes this story so mysterious is the fact that this valley is so unexplored. This has led some to believe that we're looking at, again, cannot stress this enough, a Jurassic Park Lost World style realm where hot springs have created a lush valley where Sasquatch lives in peace and species believed to be extinct still survive maybe even other kinds of cryptids. Right. This may all sound fantastical, but the Naha people who lived in the valley did talk about one creature that seems to defy science and God. The Wahila. The Wahila is considered an evil spirit that takes the form of a giant wolf and that possesses supernatural powers. The Naha knew and feared this evil spirit because time and time again they had seen it kill and take the head of its victims. Oh. But despite their long fearful relationship with the beast, the reason that we know about the Wahila is thanks to a modern first-hand sighting. In the 1960s, a young mechanic from Michigan named Frank Graves, which is a kind of funny person to investigate <laughs> funeral range to be honest, he set out an expedition to the Northwestern Territories, inspired by a book he read about the abominable snowman, one of the first books to ever discuss the possibility of Bigfoot in North America. So he's already got the right stuff on his mind. Yeah. He's not going to like backpack around Canada and, you know, experience new food and new cultures. He's going to find cryptids. I love the idea of being inspired by a book. So you just start an expedition. What a different time it was. Although the 1960s is not even that long ago. No, it's not. By why? What would you get inspired by today? A vlog? Yeah. What? What's go? Yeah. A travel vlog. It's I mean, so boring now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you definitely had to use your imagination back in the day. Yeah. Like I definitely mentioned to you before, like one of the last big holidays that that um, me and my fiance did was uh, go to oh. Japan. We watched a lot of travel vlogs before going. A lot of amazing vloggers who just show off the best spots, the things you need to check out. But it got to the point, like a few months out of, outside of going, I was like, we're ruining this for ourselves. We've seen everything and we're yeah. not going for like three months. Whereas back in the day, like you had to use all your imagination. Yeah. The first guy to ever see a rhino had to draw the rhino and then mail that letter to London where they... <laughs> showed they printed that draw shitty drawing of a rhino may i add in every paper and everyone was like oh my god these 
these foreign beasts. beasts. Yeah. And they're like, well, there must be, this must be like a smudge or something, right? Because he's got a horn on the front of his head. And he's like, that's what they look like. It's crazy over here. You could basically go in VR to anywhere on street view in the world right now. And, yeah. And explore it yourself. I could put on cardboard VR goggles and hug a rhino right now <laughs> if I wanted to. And get gored by a rhino. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, I think uh, definitely in the 1960s and before then, there was just more of a sense of adventure. There was like more of the world that had still uh, was still unknown and unexplored. Well, it's funny you mention. So Frank found a crew of four men to accompany him into the wilderness, and they were all from the American Expeditionary Society. So we think of the 1960s as being maybe a bit more of an adventurous time, but really exploration was already dead by then too. These students at university had to set up an expedition society just to do it. They were trying to like reignite the flames of expedition in society. Oh, I love it. That's badass. And so Frank's team took boats up the river into the valley and established base camp at Virginia Falls, somewhere they could explore from. And on one of these expeditions, walking along a trail, they heard a rustling in the bushes. Thinking it was one of the hunting dogs coming to join them again, Frank didn't raise his gun at the bush. So his guard was down when a huge white beast leapt out at him. At first he thought he was looking at a polar bear, but as his eyes adjusted to what was in front of him, he realized it looked more like a giant wolf with a huge flat head and short ears. Whoa. Graves didn't hesitate to draw his 12 gauge and unload both barrels into the beast, except it didn't even flinch. Jesus. The pellets pierced and ricocheted, but the demon didn't miss a beat. It 180'd and made back for the forest, sparing Graves' life that day, giving him just enough time to load his 12-gauge once more and yes! go for round two. But again, the beast didn't even notice, and it vanished into the woods. As Graves collected his thoughts about what he had just seen, one of the Native American guides returned from the woods to join him and asked what had just happened. As Graves told him everything that happened, the guide's face went white and he demanded that they immediately leave the area by boat. He explained that this was no ordinary animal. It was a huge, deadly, rare beast from the north that came to the Mackenzie Mountains once a year. But crucially, Graves wasn't the only one to have seen this. The Dene people and the non-native visitors to this area have reported a handful of sightings throughout history, and whilst no one saw it firsthand take someone's head, it's definitely big enough to. Is that part of its lore that it that it takes people's Yeah, head, like I creature? said, the Naha people, they believed that this there was this prehistoric cryptid style uh, wolf spirit that would take people's heads. That is badass. So pretty nuts that we do have some Native American lore that is se seemingly being confirmed by a first-hand sighting from a cryptid hunter yeah and then backed up by the people who know actually about this part of the world yeah i like what i'm hearing guys so in some ways we have a pretty strong case for some kind of head stealing cryptid yeah however as always on this paranormal life i would be remiss if i didn't mention some of the other theories about what is happening in the nahani valley some people thought that the murders and beheadings might have been caused by local native americans who correctly assessing that white people were coming to take their shit, 
might have killed the intruders. Of course, I did say the valley was abandoned, but it's not impossible that small communities hid in the Jurassic Park-sized lost world in this valley. And lastly, there is one final, very human potential suspect in all of this. The Mad Trapper of Rat River. That's the worst name I've ever heard. The Mad Trapper of Rat River. <laughs> you just know he's going to ruin the story, don't you? He's already going to We were just talking about a beautiful, majestic forest spirit with a wolf heart. And now <laughs> it's either him or f***ing Dirt Greg from Rat Town. It's basically a meth head or it's Princess Mononoke's wolf from the film. <laughs> In 1931, a local trapper working in this area complained to the local authorities that someone was tampering with his traps and suspected that the mad trapper of Rat River who lived on the hill was the criminal. This guy was a mad recluse who lived in a cabin in the woods. And when the police went to his cabin to question him about tampering with the traps, he simply <laughs> shot a shotgun through the door that they were knocking. <laughs> Almost killing one officer and fled into the forest. Another trap activated. <laughs> it's not a trap if you just shoot me at point blank range. Through a door. And so a 150 mile uh, on foot police chase ensued through the Yukon and the Northwest Territories until they finally cornered the mad trapper at Eagle River, Yukon, and they shot him down on the spot. So he died? He did. Okay. Now, crucially, in his possessions, they found gold teeth belonging to men who had gone missing in the <gasps> Nahani Valley. Whoa. So this doesn't prove he killed anyone. He may have just found their skulls or fragments of their skulls. Right. And, you know, dug. He, he, he lives in Rat River. He's going to be digging things out of skulls and bones. There's no way he's not drinking the waters of Rat River. He sounds like a maniac. But it does leave an uneasy possibility that someone like that could have killed our prospectors to take their shit. It's true. It does seem a little strange, obviously, if he is uh, going for gold teeth. It seems like a lot of effort to kill the prospectors and then take their heads as if that would be the fastest way to do it. Yeah. Because you're not exactly like under pressure to get the, that job done quick. You're not going to bump into anyone else in that wilderness. Unless, I mean, it, it, like, right, here's some here's some wilderness bro science. If you, like, murdered someone and spilled blood mm -hmm. in the wilderness, are those bears coming to find you? Also, I'm very up for the term bro science for a section of our podcast. I can't believe we've been doing this show for this long and we haven't talked, because this show is bro science. Yeah. Straight up. Let's talk bro science. Bro science. If you kill someone in the woods, yeah. can a bear smell it and track you down? Is that- It's like clapping. This is the bro version of <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest. <laughs> if I die in the woods, will my bros have to cut off my head and bring it back to society in case they get attacked by a bear? <laughs> uh, is that the, the time pressure? On killing someone in the that woods? A, that you activate like a activate bear's a radar? Bear radar, yeah. Well, I don't think they're predator. I mean, bear, bears aren't like in, in the trees looking down at the <laughs> but it's humans. But like, it's like a shark. They smell the blood in the water. Do they? Well, sharks do, but I don't know if bears do. But presumably that's... Because I don't even know how... This is some real bro science coming at you here. Bro science. I don't know if that's 
true. You know how people are like, you know a shark can smell blood from a hundred miles the second it hits the water. I don't think that's how that works because that's magic. That's a that's See, not I a shark. Word. That's a wizard in shark's clothing. Well, if you think a shark's a wizard, that's your problem. <laughs> I think no it's way. still work. There's no way that the like the material this is you of talking this. to the <laughs> you talking to the trainer at like SeaWorld. There's no way. I'm obviously drunk. You're cutting open your hand and dipping it in the pool. There's no way he's gonna know what's going on. It eats your arm. <laughs> a thousand starfish jump out of their tanks. Oh, not a shark though. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you dumbass. I yeah. I don't know if I thought obviously maybe it works with sharks right. because of how blood uh it dilutes through and spreads Ooh. through water. I don't know if, like, the scent of blood can activate a bear. Uh, as with most questions like this on This Paranormal Life, I refuse to look it up. Uh, bear experts in the This Paranormal Life nation, feel free to at us regarding yep. this. I do not know. There doesn't seem to be a time pressure, so why would he take the heads? Exactly. I guess you can't really uh, question the decisions of, of the Mad Trapper Rat River. Yeah. The name alone kind of would lead you to believe that anything he does is going to be without reason. But I will say the fact that he is um, cutting gold teeth out of people's dead heads <laughs> doesn't bode well for the McLeod lost gold mine. No. <laughs> no. There's <laughs> coal in these woods. <laughs> the gold found in that valley shouldn't be gold ganked from the mouths of the prospectors that went to find Who aren't even from the valley. They were trying to find more gold. <laughs> So the only gold that has ever been in the valley was in the teeth of the man who traveled there. <laughs> Jesus. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. <laughs> the gold was inside us all along. Literally. <laughs> Our hearts? No. <laughs> Your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Get them, white wolf. It's real. <laughs> so we have a, a number of possibilities here. Some paranormal, some not so. And at the end of every episode of This Paranormal Life, we have to decide... Is the paranormal explanation the one that sticks? Is the Nahani Valley cursed? Is there a Wahila cryptid murdering those who set foot in the valley? Does a Sasquatch or any other cryptids live there? What are you saying? Uh, interesting case. I love it. I love the uh, the colorful background and the characters that we're looking at today. We do have the luxury this week of a number of different options. We do have the Mad Trapper of Rat River. I wish we didn't, but we do. <laughs> Which I assume is like a, a long, long descendant from sock rats. <laughs> Just a, is a horrible person. Ignorant, disgusting person. <laughs> Who, yeah, sure. There is a case to be made here that they are involved. But correct me if I'm wrong that you did say he was hunted down and shot to Swiss cheese. Yes. So he was essentially killed. So even if he was the person behind it, it would be in a paranormal form, presumably. That's true. Interesting. Ghost or curse or spirit. Um, One thing I never actually thought about was actually the Mad Trapper. I keep wanting to call him the Mad Hatter. The Mad Trapper of Rat River. He actually, it seems like, died well before some of these later disappearances. Yeah. So... Even if he explains the McLeod brothers, he doesn't explain, say, the Swiss prospector or the mechanic from Michigan. So we have some prospectors to the McLeod brothers that were killed while and decapitated while he was alive. Yeah. But then he was killed and we still have more decapitations after yes. he was killed. All right. So I think presumably that means we can rule him out. 
Yes, for uh, as the sole cause of uh, decapitations. So, folks, if if this is happening and there is a pattern, maybe we are looking at something paranormal here. It is true. We're essentially left with: is it paranormal and it's the Wehila or some kind of curse, or is it the final human possibility is some pocket of humans somewhere in here killing intruders? Yeah, I think I'm edging towards the latter. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because, you know, if it is some paranormal creature, or as we said, some spirit of the forest taking form of a giant wolf, as we said, even with bears, there'd usually be a little more wear and tear, a little more destruction. You know, if it's, it sounds like these people basically had their heads cut off mm-hmm. and they, that's how they were killed. They weren't like clawed at, ripped to shreds. You know, there isn't, there, they didn't find paw prints around mm. the ground. You know, anything like that that we see with cryptid cases, you know, there's usually scratches on things, paw prints, anytime we're dealing with like a monster or a big cat, let's say. That is kind of true. It also potentially rules out the possibility that this is just some type of actual wolf. Yeah. So, so it would, yeah, it would have to be more of some kind of, you know, Native American spirit beast that doesn't leave paw prints yeah he can just kind of drop down like spider-man and one (laughs) one little swoop and you're done give him an upside down spider-man kiss and then chop (laughs) off their head love him and leave him yeah i don't know i think uh for me this week personally i i don't have the evidence required to make this a fully convincing paranormal case very interesting but i think i think it's going to be a no for me this week I think it's a double no, guys, but I would love to hear what you guys think about it. If you have any insight to this, if you've been to the Nahani Valley, if you um, have been affected by the Wahila, let us know at this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. When was the last time we had a yes? It feels like we're going through a little dry spout of yeses. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Like it, it, We had a it, string. It a, we had like three yeah. in a row at one point. We did. We, we went like we went full Super Saiyan, just pulled it out of the bag and did a few in a row. But um, it's been a couple months for sure. All right. All right. We can work on that. We can okay. work on that. I got a great one coming up. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a double yes. And if you just can't wait till next week to get another This Paranormal Life investigation in your life, head on over to patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life, where from $5 a month, you get access to a backlog of bonus episodes. These are full length investigations that we do not put on the main feed. They are exclusive to patrons. There's some fantastic investigations on in there, some of our favorites, some really interesting close calls, and then some really wild, hilarious ones. I mean, in recent memory, we did a, a ritual live on the podcast yeah, um, to try and get to some kind of parallel hell dimension. No spoilers about how that turned out, but look at the world around you. <laughs> uh you know we're in fool's world now <laughs> we've been scammed we did that episode the night of donald trump's uh <laughs> victory in 2016 and just to give you a little preview if you haven't heard them before a preview of what our bonus episodes are like this is a clip from last month's bonus episode but as i said this is the house of 200 demons we got a lot of these <laughs> bastards to get through it's so- like <laughs> Scrooge's Christmas. They're just showing up one by one, a big conveyor belt of demons. <laughs> yeah, Scrooge actually wasn't that bad a guy if just three ghosts showed yeah. up to teach him to be a better man. They were all human ghosts yeah. as well. 
if your Christmas carol involves 200 demons <laughs> appearing to you in one night, f Christmas, the night of Christmas Eve, you are a bad, it's too late to change. This is the punishment. They're not here to, for, to redeem you. They're not, they don't even talk. They just start whooping your ass as soon as they come out of the other dimension. Can you imagine being, uh, being Scrooge going to bed on uh, Christmas Eve? You know, oh, the Marley Brothers told me that I'd be visited by, by ghosts in the night. And then psh, the light shines through and you're like, oh my gosh. You open up and you see like the smoke rolling in. You're like, Spectre, are you here to teach me about uh, the lessons of Christmas past? And then the smoke clears and it's just this little imp boy. <laughs> He's not even dressed as Santa Claus. He's just got a fiery little red hot poker jabbing you with it. He has a weapon. That's all the intent you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I crack myself up sometimes. Those are really the best episodes. So remember, head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life to check that out. And at the end of every episode, we like to take the time to shout out those who've supported us on Patreon. Let's go. Special thank you to Dan Jenkins. Dan Jenkins has 10 kids. He's got 10, ten kids, kids, 10 little rug rats running around. Yeah. That's a lot of kids in this day and age. It's a lot of kids. I think he was going for that old school, you know, if I have enough of them, they'll be able to support uh, their old man. They're gone. They're they gone. left. Yeah, they left day one. They hate him. Yeah. <laughs> thank you also to Mikhail Shulgin. Well, if it isn't Mikhail Shotgun Shulgin, the fastest and sharpest shooter in the West, uh, only with a shotgun though, so needs a lot of spray, a lot of spray. It's not a, gun, a good gun to be fast with, maybe like a revolver is pretty good. A shotgun, you pretty much have one to two rounds and you're, and you're done. Yeah, well, that's all he needs, one. <laughs> he, even, he, he cut off the other barrel because he needs one. Thank you to Catherine Peterson. Catherine's always letting cats in. She keeps every window of the house open. Tuna on every windowsill. She's borderline baiting them to come into this house. She's a, a, a local drug dealer of catnip. Of course. And I'm not going to complain because she invites me over all the time. And it's just it's just a cuddle puddle. You can just roll around in cats. Are you it's sure pretty she doesn't operate a cat cafe? That would make a lot of sense. That would also explain the money that I owe her. Thank you too. Mikas Venkilis. Mikasa es tu casa, Mikas. The doors are open. The tuna is on the windowsill. <laughs> Help yourself, my friend. So watch out for the cats, though. If they see you going for that tuna, they will attack. Thank you to Ryan Brooks. Ryan Brooks is the guy you get in to cook the books. Ooh. You need, if, if you want the money to say that it disappeared, I don't know how to cook the books. Yeah, I don't know what that means. If you want those books with some barbecue sauce and a side salad, then get Ryan involved, because he'll cook them right up for you. Thank you to Liam. Liam, Liam wouldn't want to be him, because much like the people of Yellowknife, he has knives for hands and knives Whoa. for feet. It's very hard for him to walk or move or get on a transatlantic flight. It's frustrating because if he had a Swiss army knife for each uh, hand or foot, he would be a lot more useful. But knives, you can only cut things. It's a shame because people judge him, you know, because you got knives for hands. But deep down, he's got a heart of knives. That's right, his heart is also knives. Thank you to Kimberly Bomer. Okay, Bomer. <laughs> oh, God. Kimberly is a number one Zoomer. She's a TikTok star. She is dunking on boomers. 
all day long on social media. That's cool. She actually dunked on us pretty hard, which what? I feel pretty embarrassed about. I'm not a boomer. I, I don't want to be classified that way, Kimberly. But um, How old do you think I am? Well, she's nine, so she oh. thinks everyone's a boomer. Thank you to Coleman Tinker. Do you know what Coleman mines for? What? Fool's gold. Oh, thought it was going to be something with Tinker. Or coal. No, yeah, it, fool's <laughs> gold. Coleman figured out that if you, uh, you can sell this stuff on the street for a pretty high price if you just remove the fools from the, 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 the advertising. Yeah, but of course. Just call it gold. Might I remind you, uh, Coleman, that fool's gold is the currency in the paranormal commune. Yeah. We don't want your regular gold. Get that shit out of here. Thank you to Lydia Steyer. Lydia Steyer will give you a styring contest. Ooh. But she never loses because she has a third eye. That doesn't, but presumably it also has to blink. Well, it does. It's yes, it's a spiritual paranormal third eye, but yes, it does have to blink. But so between probably... all three eyes, <laughs> one of them's not blinking at any one time. But it, as long as they all blink once. Move it oh. on. Thank you to Nickmon12. Nickmon was a Digimon originally cut from the manga series uh, for being a little too violent. Because really? when he digivolved, he became a knife. What? Just a knife, not even sentient. You, know, uh, you have all those different levels of digivolving as well. Yeah. And like he just got bigger and bigger types of knives. <laughs> yeah, which was you know really dangerous because uh, he would just jump and then midair turn to knife and come down and just impale someone. So I can see why you're caught. Terrifying. Thank you too, Dark Solar TV. That's one of those TV channels that only appears at like 3 a.m. On a, on a TV where you're using a coat hanger as an antenna, you know, in an abandoned in motel. A, uh, if you're in a hotel room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's some, and it's all basically static and flashing images. Some creepy paranormal stuff. Thank you to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the most baseball player name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> there is no way, sir, that you're not a baller. A baseballer. Yeah, Aaron not, not Jones. A basketballer. <laughs> out of your mind? Aaron Jones, get us tickets to the next game, my friend. Please, you're obviously. I don't want to hear player. all this. I don't play baseball. All this. I'm a kid. I'm 14. Just send Bullshit. us the tickets and an autographed bat. Thank you to Chad Brewer. Chad Brewer, next up batting for the New York Yankees. Chad Brewer. That's right. We're talking about an MLB star here, folks. There's no way Chad's not a baller. And you know he's batting six and zero, oh, and you know he's getting sent off early. <laughs> I love, I love it. I hope, I hope this next name is going to be another big, big baseball star. Thank you to Isaac Baldridge. Oh, I was hoping for like a a roided out baseball hall of famer yeah. isaac isaac could be a tennis player or maybe you know something like that or maybe a pool player or yeah it's technically a baller if you play pool pool balls isaac have you ever even tried man have you ever even tried like little league or something if you, you get change your name you could be good <laughs> isaac is a badass name i will say think about newton he was a baller he had a apple thank you to whitney <laughs> taylor whitney taylor MLB MVP? <laughs> Batted four hundo last season? Four hundo. It is an honor, means, Whitney. It sounds like a lot. Whitney, if you're if you're 
available for mentorships. I know a young man named Isaac who is looking... He doesn't know <laughs> shit about the game. <laughs> and he doesn't want to know shit. Thank you to Harold McSnaddle. Come on down to Harold McSnaddle's Saddles, where we can saddle anything you want, any animal you want. You want to ride on a turtle? Done. Boom. We got a saddle for that. Could I get, could I get a saddle? Could I just get uh, a saddle? Any old to, saddle. To my size. You know, like 5'11". What? Well, a saddle I, I need for to a, able, no, not, a man? Not to ride me, but to, so I can sit on it. It you fits me. You sick f- No, you can't get a saddle for a man. I'll give you a saddle for any. I'll give you a saddle. You can, you can ride an antelope into the sunset if you want. Fine. But I will not ride a man. Can I, just, I don't want an ant- antelope. Can I just get a horse saddle? In? We don't That's have any I'm... horse saddles here. Great. Great. Good business model. Okay. <laughs> Thank you to Nina McKendry. Nina, inventor of the Nina Colada. That's right, her very own cocktail. It is delicious. It is boozy. It is basically, I'm not going to lie. It's a pint of Lombardi with a slice of pastrami. Jesus. There's no way that can be good. You mix it all up in a blender and you got to do it fast because the Lombardi will dissolve the interior of a blender in in seconds, really. And you you just put it in a beer bong and funnel it. Nina, why would you put your name to this? Thank you to Jen Bottom. Jen Bottom is top of the batting order because this home run hitter can't keep balls in the park. <laughs> she's trying to keep them in the park? She can't. She's trying to. She tried to bunt last season and hit it into the car park. She's a machine. She is literally, I'm telling you right now, she's a machine. They're questioning whether they should ban her from the league. Oh, she's not she's, human. She's not a human being. Thank you to Duncan Barnett. Mr. Barnett, they call him Duncan because he's because he's casually dunking himself into the MLB Hall of Fame. <laughs> wow. Using a basketball term to conquer baseball. I love it. He is catching every ball, is hitting every, every ball out of the park. He does... He's confused with what to do with the balls. Yeah. Simply one of the greatest of all time. It's kind of interesting that all these middle-aged, retired basketball or baseball superstars are uh, listening to this show, but, you know, I, I encourage it. I guess it's spread. you got to have something playing in the dugout. Thank you, lastly but not leastly, to Emma Morin. Emma's always putting more in than she's taken out. She's a saint like that. Yeah. She gives us gold. We give her fool's gold in return. And... You know, a lot of people say that's a bad deal for her, but to those people, I say, shut the fuck up. Don't 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 tell her. Don't tell her what to do with her money. If she wants to give more in, then we'll take it. We'll keep taking it. And because she keeps giving more in, we can keep doing this podcast. Dark note to end it on, but thank you to everyone. It's not dark. That's not dark. Don't (laughs) shame her generosity. Thank today and everyone we are yet to thank on Patreon. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new paranormal tale. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. 
Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 